The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 91. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Cialana, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Just a reminder to please don't be greedy, greedo, share the podcast on Twitter or Facebook and let leave us a review also to let us know how we're doing. Um, and besides satisfying our curiosity, your feedback also helps us get the show seen by more people who would be interested in listening to this show. Now, today we are picking up our series of character devoted episodes and getting ready for the book of Boba Fett. So we will be taking a deeper look at Boba's dear old dad, the bounty hunter, the clone template, Django Fett. And so therefore, we are putting Father Fett in the hot seat this week. Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for being a Fett super fan and being on the panel this week. Absolutely. But I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. <laughs> oh, man, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist. <laughs> All right. Well, I know that you probably have many more of those in your holster, but um, <laughs> let's uh, just briefly touch on some news items here. And mainly the big one is uh, Star Wars Visions. Of course, we are eagerly awaiting um, that series, which will be releasing on September the 22nd. And that is, of course, a forthcoming series of nine anime short films straight from six acclaimed Japanese anime studios. Um, those of you who are listening, maybe you've found yourself wondering, hmm, are they going to be geeking out over those on Secrets of Star Wars? <laughs> and the answer is, hi, yes, we will. So hi is Japanese for yes, if you didn't know that. <laughs> um, so we'll be looking forward to that for sure. Uh, so that'll be coming up in uh, late September um, and uh, maybe October. Who knows how everything will pan out for us and the podcast, but certainly we will be talking about that. And so look forward to that. All right. So let's uh, set the scene and kind of refresh our memories here about Django Fett. So I will be pulling this straight from Wikipedia. Thank you very much. <laughs> Django Fett was a Mandalorian human male bounty hunter and the clone template of the Grand Army of the Republic. What a title. Uh, he was known as the best bounty hunter in the galaxy during the final years of the, uh, the Galactic Republic. And uh, Fett was proficient in marksmanship as well as unarmed combat. Hailing from the planet Concord Dawn, Fett was a foundling of the Mandalorians and at one point fought in the Mandalorian civil wars before becoming a bounty hunter. 
Prior to the Clone Wars, the Sith Lord Darth Tyrannus hired Fett to serve as the genetic foundation of an army secretly bred on the extragalactic world of Kamino. His DNA spawned millions of clone troopers who shared his face, voice, and were trained to become soldiers. As part of his payment, Fett was given an unaltered clone, whom he raised as his son, Boba Fett. In the last days of the Separatist crisis, Fett was, uh, this is Jango Fett, of course, was involved in the failed plot to assassinate Senator Padme Amidala on Coruscant. The Jedi Order investigated the incident, forcing Fett to leave the Kaminoan homeworld after he was confronted by Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi tracked Fett to Geonosis, where he discovered the bounty hunter's connection with Count Dooku dun, 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 and the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Fett fought against the Jedi assault team during the First Battle of Geonosis and was memorably beheaded by Jedi Master Mace Windu. So, truly a memorable end. But uh, we are only beginning here. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, Father Fett... Do you know off the top of your head how much screen time Django Fett has in Star Wars? You know, I was thinking about that and I put that in my notes that he doesn't get enough. But I okay, never that's I never an opinion. I, I never <laughs> I never actually counted it up, but in reality, I mean it's got to be really short. I mean, he's Okay, he's, let's do a prices right. Oh boy. What do you think? Oh boy. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say out of a 2-hour movie I would I would give him 25 minutes. Lower. Is it? Oh my Much gosh. lower. You looked this up. Okay, 15 minutes. <laughs> Much lower. Much lower. Okay, 8 minutes. Yes. Lower. <laughs> 5? Lower. Oh jeez. Uh 3. <laughs> Higher. Okay, 4. <laughs> Okay, so it's 4.45. So he had oh, four minutes man. and 45 seconds of screen time. <laughs> so we are going to somehow Ow. talk about this character. No, we really were. <laughs> this is going to be an amazing discussion. But it is really, you know, Star Wars is known for this, though, right? Like creating oh, these massive, you know, fandoms around these characters that have really honestly like very little screen time so does that come as a shock to you father it does because in my <laughs> mind uh he played a much larger role <laughs> you, yeah. you, you you forced me to like recontextualize my <laughs> junior high experience of going to the theaters and seeing attack of the clones oh no uh, i'm sorry no. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to destroy any dreams or castles no, no, no. in you, your mind you, okay you, you totally you nailed it though in that like Okay, he had four minutes of screen time, but he had this huge impact of, in me as a as a junior high kid. So much so that yeah. like that's kind of been my gig on on in my online persona, right? <laughs> four minutes of screen time, and and uh, and he's 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 my guy. Uh, well, to your credit, you know he's got some comic stuff going on and some other mentions in other. You know, I think probably. Just the amount of times that he has been mentioned and discussed in other canon, mm -hmm. you know, material is actually maybe the same or more than his actual screen time in yeah. the movies. So, yeah, his legacy is much bigger than maybe uh, the amount that we see him in the movie. 
We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> so in general, um, well, you call yourself Father Fett, right? So is that after Boba or Django? It is after Django. And the, the, the whole okay. point, uh, the point there, I guess, for me was, um, uh, you know, I just, I found him intriguing as when I went to the theater. So, I mean, if, if you have ever been involved in our May 4th, uh, discussions, you'll know that attack of the clones was kind of the, the movie that, that brought me into becoming a star Wars geek through and through. And I, and I blame a lot of it in a good way on Django Fett, you know, and, okay. and there is something to be said about that there, there, I love, I love knowing like there's a character, but he's got a mysterious background. You know, I think that's what drew a lot of people even to like Han Solo in the original trilogy is like he's this kind of cool smuggler, but you don't really know, you know, where he came from or anything. And so I've always found Jango Fett uh, intriguing. But as a junior high kid, I mean, I and I and I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be superficial about it, but sure. But as a junior high kid, I loved his armor. I loved his look. I loved his <laughs> his his fighting style. You know the the the, the attack with with Obi Wan and and his ship. And so, as a junior high kid, what drew me to him was not <laughs> was not anything deep other than that he was cool. You know, mm-hmm. it would be um, just like someone who, you know, liked a character. In fact, I mean, that's kind of how Boba Fett kind of came into existence was like people just saw this character who didn't really have a whole big part, but they liked his look like he would be one you right. would go out and buy an action figure of because he has this cool look to him. So yeah. as I've kind of <laughs> grown in my in my fandom and even my my father Fett uh uh, persona, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I just have to kind of point out that, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad he's a fictional character because <laughs> like, <laughs> especially as, as, as a Catholic priest, like it's, it's morally perfectly fine to like the villain of a, of a, of a story, you know, and uh-huh. not that we as, aspire to, to be, you know, like them because it's pretty clear that Django's morality is, is, very skewed it's it's you know it's he's looking out for himself and and isn't necessarily the most moral upright person so you know i'm i'm drawn to him because i think he's a fun villain he's a cool Mm -hmm. villain and and so i I, i'm glad he's a fictional character uh because i can (laughs) i can do that and it and it fits and it's a fun geeky thing to then talk about because then you can have the conversations about you know well exactly what we're doing well what makes him a villain and why is that good or bad or you know what's what's his story and we can we can have those discussions and then get into the to the deeper topics which is always what what we like to do here on the podcast yeah and you know oh something that you said really kind of hmm um changed something that i had planned so we will see how that goes <laughs> later on but um so what I mean, you know, you, you kind of basically said what you think of of Django's character. But um, is there anything else that really kind of I mean, I guess, you know, um, and anything that you now in your fandom and your, you know, father fet persona or however you want to put it, um, is anything you see in the fandom of Django Fett kind of really stand out besides, you know, basically that he was, a, he looked cool and he had cool stuff. 
I would I would maybe say two things and and I and I'm sorry if I'm going <laughs> to jump over what what you uh what you have planned but <laughs> no it's okay. Uh, I think I think definitely point number 1 is that the fandom has really gravitated towards whether he's a Mandalorian or not. Mm-hmm. And and so that's been a big part of it. And the other thing that that I think uh we will get into a deeper discussion on is okay, he's he's a cool villain, he looks cool, he fights cool, you know, he's a bounty hunter. But I think there is something deeper to be said about his character. And I think we see that in his desire to have an unaltered clone for himself that mm-hmm. he wants to raise as a son. And we, and of course, that's that's Boba Fett. Right. But beyond, yeah, I kind of. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, but beyond that, I the, the, the fandom around Django Fett is more people dress up as him at, at conventions, at comic conventions, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I think in terms of like the the deeper the lore, I think I think people gravitate towards Boba Fett more than they do Django Fett for for that kind of a thing. Yeah. That's true. And and that's why I was kind of interested in in what you had to say about the fandom of Django Fett, because I know you're far more familiar with uh, that than a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's neat. Um, and we will get into every single one of those topics that you discussed. Honestly, when I was pondering um, this particular podcast and discussion, I... I came to the conclusion for myself, and maybe my opinion will change after our little talk here, but I came to the conclusion that I think of him more as a story device for George Lucas than a a character that he meant to flesh out and really develop. Um, And this is Django, you know, Mm -hmm. I think he, he meant much more for the Boba character but I felt like Django was just sort of the guy who needed to be the template for the clone army. And so George wrote this character and bada bing, you know, maybe throw a couple little things in there. But really, I find his character to be not important outside of that so much. Now, again, we will get into mm-hmm. his relationship with Boba. But and I, that was kind of the way that I saw things. I think that's a fair assessment. I think after the, the you know, the, the, the great success of the original trilogy and the, the fandom that rose up for Boba Fett, it was natural to, to ask the question, well, where did Boba Fett come from? And so I, I think you're right. I think, I think George Lucas found this way to have this character who looked like Boba Fett, but different. And then kind of make him a mysterious figure and then have that tie into where did Boba Fett come from? Mm-hmm. So I, I suspect he was created out of that purpose rather than as sort of a character that, that meant to be kind of stand on his own. And yeah. And, and of course the, the clone army, he could meld those two together as part of the mystery of the movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I mean, would you consider him to be a good character or would you consider him to be more of you know, kind of like what I was saying, like more of a character but really a good story device? 
Maybe this is challenging for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm like pushing the wrong buttons, but no, I kind of, you know, we talk about like what makes my, them a good character. Uh, you're stretching my, <laughs> my, uh, notions of him that I've had for decades. And, 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 no, and that's, terrible. that's good. The, my, my problem is, is, is I have so much, uh, invested in him that it's yeah. hard. It's hard for me to see him as, you know, just a, just a kind of a, a plot device. And, uh, but, but like, if I kind of just take a look at this objectively, I mean, I think you're right. There, there's, there's not, ultimately there's not much there. He's a bounty hunter and he happened to be, you know, the, the best bounty hunter in the galaxy, quote unquote. And he happened to be this superb fighter. And that was the, what became the, the clone army. Now, I've developed kind of a deeper connection to him after the movie. And mm. and that's something I think that, that a lot of people didn't do because there are, there are uh, additional comics and video games that went in, that tried to go into his backstory that mm. many people have never even picked up and, and read. And of course, at this point, yeah, sure. They're, they're all legends material, but um, one of them, and I, and I, and I'm going to share this, uh, it's a it's actually it's a it's a PlayStation 2 game that I'm that I'm holding up and showing Angela called Star Wars Bounty Hunter. And I think it's still available digitally if you have a PlayStation 4, but I'm not sure because I don't I don't have one of those. But this was uh, a game that you play as Jango Fett and it tried to tell the story of how Count Dooku found him and chose him to be the template for the clone army. And so mm. you play as Jango Fed and you you encounter Zamwazel and you are trying to to I think I, I can't remember exactly how it works, but I think you're trying to track down and kill a dark a dark Jedi. And if you succeed in that, then Count Dooku picks you as the the template for the clone army. And so this game though humanized him because mm. you you play as the, the the protagonist and and you're um <laughs> Yeah, I guess even as I play it, like I'm I'm already looking at through the lens of like a good morality. And so like, you know, you're the right the way that it humanizes him, like you're going after these this crime syndicate that's dealing death sticks and they're you know, they're bad guys. And so what you're doing is is good from a certain point of view. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there was and like and the characters that he interacts with and, and Tamara Morrison actually does the voice for it. So it, it really kind okay. of draws the character out. and. And I, 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 I think this game maybe solidified some of that underlying connection to him and brought his story more as more in the forefront for me. And, and it was just a lot of fun. I mean, you can, you can, uh, you actually have the ability to see bounties on people as you're going through the, the worlds and you can claim bounties on people as you encounter them for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, so you're still a bounty hunter and it's, mm -hmm. it's all Django Fett. But of course, like that story is not canon, you know, that's, that's all part of the, the legends universe. And even the, the comic, uh, that, that I mentioned was, that was also, that's also legends material, but some of the, the ideas and the, 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 what was put into the comics came through in canon. So things like Jango Fett being from the planet Concord Dawn and being a foundling and being brought in by a Mandalorian named Jaster. That all came from this comic, uh, Star Wars Jango Fett Open Seasons. So 
yeah I, I i think if you look at his character strictly from a movie perspective right it it is easy to to draw the conclusion that he's a pretty face and serves as a plot device mm-hmm. but yeah like all the characters in star wars which i mean if you've ever read the their their newer books uh from a certain point of view they they kind of retell some of the scenes in like a new hope and and the empire strikes back from the side characters i think you made a really good point earlier that like star wars does a phenomenal job of like looking at some of those insignificant characters and saying hey they have stories too and so that's kind of how i look at at jango fed at least from from my perspective yeah no that makes a lot of sense that i mean if i had been in in your shoes i think you know um being a little boy or how old were you when you saw episode it was 2003 so i was i was 14 so okay yeah yeah being an adolescent boy and like going to the movies so bad <laughs> and then playing this um it sounds like a great game mm-hmm. um you know and all of just the other things um yeah i mean it makes total sense mm-hmm. you know what you're saying and just your connection to Django, absolutely. Now you talked about his morality um as being sort of like playing as the protagonist in the video game, but then in the movies and stuff, you know, he is I mean, you you use the term villain, and I honestly was not gonna go that far. Um, so you know, a lot of times in Star Wars we talk about is this character a hero, are they a villain, or are they kind of like a scoundrel? So I was gonna hmm. go with the scoundrel aspect. That's a better because, that's a better position to put him in, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't really see him as like totally a villain per se. I think a lot of times the bounty hunters really kind of fall under that middle ground scoundrel territory mm-hmm. because ultimately there's somebody above them that is hiring them to do the job. And so those people are the villains, right? So, um, yeah, so I was going to kind of ask, you know, if why why you had called him a villain, I guess it was just because of, you know, his questionable yeah. choices. Yeah, I, I I think I use that term only because he was that's how it well. <laughs> that's sort of how he's portrayed in the movie. At least he's he's mm-hmm. portrayed on the side of Count Dooku, even though really it's only because Count Dooku's paying him. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And obviously he's just trying to get the job done, right? Like when we first see him, you know, he's definitely doing something that is against our heroes, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to maybe think of him immediately as a villain. But I think, you know, looking at the overall picture, I would call him a scoundrel. So, yeah, I, I think you're right there. Yeah. Okay. well. Um, talking about sort of the character development of Django, right? And again, you know, when you go into the actual screen time, there isn't much character development that you can mm-hmm. de- have in four minutes and 45 seconds. Um, so when it comes to the prequels, you know, we really got nothing. But um, <laughs> I would say, you know, there is a lot to talk about his character development in a way, like over the course of, you know, since the time that he was introduced until present day, um, because you mentioned that 
question of was Jango Fett an actual Mandalorian? Um, and of course, that question was surrounding Boba as well mm-hmm. before that, right? So when we get to Jango, it's like, okay, well, if we can get the dad down, then maybe we'll understand Boba better, right? So can you kind of give us an overview of sort of how all of that developed, like how we went from here's Jango Fett in the armor to where we are now? Sure. Yeah. So uh, essentially the way that it happened in the Legends universe before Disney uh, took over, or well, really before the Clone Wars, the animated show, it was just automatically assumed that Jango Fett was a Mandalorian because that's, you know, he was wearing Mandalorian armor and that's what was uh, portrayed in the, in the Legends material. You know, he was even in the comic. I mean, he was brought into the Mandalorian culture uh, by Jaster and, and becomes, I think he's, I think he's listed at one point as like the, the last, the last Mandalorian that that's ever lived. And I think maybe that played into why Count Dooku wanted him to be the, the template for the clone army. And so it was sort of undisputed for a long, long time that Jango Fett was what a Mandalorian should be. And I, and I think that the, the culture, the Mandalorian culture that George Lucas wanted to develop was contrary to Jango Fett's personality. I mean, Jango Fett is a bounty hunter and the Mandalorian culture, as we see it in the Clone Wars, is a is a society. It's a it's a community vastly different than this fierce, independent bounty hunter. And so I yeah, think and it's got like a, a loyalty code and mm-hmm. some kind of moral code. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and so I think, you know, what, what George Lucas wanted to create in the culture, he had to separate it from Jango Fett somewhat to, to make it clear that the way that Jango lived his life was not like universal for, for Mandalorians. And so then in the Clone Wars, we, we have some of this starting to, to play out when we go to Mandalore. And even uh, the, the, the sticking point for, for many of us became uh, season two, episode 12, the Mandalore plot where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi meets up with uh, Prime Minister Almec on, on Mandalore. And he, uh, Prime Minister Almec makes the comment that Jango Fett uh, was just a common bounty hunter. And he didn't even know where, where Jango Fett got the armor. And that's all that and was I said. Remember, yeah, when that happened, it was like, the fandom what went crazy like mm-hmm. everybody lost their heads <laughs> <laughs> right because it, it upended something that we just thought was indisputable and and so then it just it became this lingering question well like okay well what happened and and if he's just a common bounty hunter where did he get the armor and and of course you know many of us probably just said well i'll just headcanon that and he's really you know just a rogue mandalorian or you know however you want to 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 deal with it and then kind of fast forward to season two of the mandalorian where din Djarin encounters boba fett in uh it was episode six of season two so the tragedy and that's when we sort of kind of got final confirmation of what was going on because boba fett shows din his chain code that's built into his armor and he tells din that the armor belonged to his father and so in that chain code is, you know, all all the there's a list of things and it's all in Arabesh. And mm-hmm. of course, Star Wars fans immediately translated it. And what's really <laughs> cool is that Django Fett is listed in there as Father Fett. So 
that I thought was really cool. But <laughs> <laughs> more importantly, like, it's me, <laughs> right? Like I'm in the show. Uh, more importantly, we learn that that uh, Django Fett was a foundling, just like Din Djarin mm-hmm. was, and that Django was brought in by a Mandalorian named Jaster. And Concord Dawn is also listed in that chain code as well. So, so then we we finally know. Okay, so Django is a Mandalorian in the same way that Din Djarin is a Mandalorian, and everything's all back to back to how we feel it should be. <laughs> Except yeah, for Django, I, just I, then, I, of course, went off to be a bounty hunter, but still a Mandalor- still a Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, you know. I want to say, just to comment before I ask you how you feel about this whole, how it turned out, um, I want to say that I think it's pretty awesome what, because clearly this this decision was probably, um, you know, the decision to kind of do what they did on The Mandalorian with Jango Fett and Boba Fett and their history. Um, I think it was pretty much a John Favreau decision with the support of, you know, the other executive producers at Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. the story group, you know, whatever. Um and because, you know, John Favreau has talked about how big of a Boba Fett fan he is and um how I know he was probably um and I think he might have even talked about this somewhere, that he was kind of like uh just weirded out i guess by this idea that jango fett was not a mandalorian that boba mm-hmm. was not a mandalorian and so he really i think had a personal interest you know yep. in being the guy with the toys in the sandbox literally you know to be able to just do it just make it so right and so he did and i think it's awesome that he did that um so i like that that aspect of it that now the kids that grew up with this stuff are old enough to actually influence the canon going forward the mm-hmm. way that they would have played with it um, in their rooms at home as kids. So that's really cool. Um, but, you know, one of the things that you said, I'd never even thought about that George Lucas kind of needed to separate Django from the Mandalorian culture as he wanted to create it and just dis- and kind of present it Mm -hmm. in the Clone Wars series, which very much made an impression on me and I'm sure a lot of people. Like when we saw how Mandalore was, how the Mandalorian culture was, it was very distinct from the other cultures that George had created. And it was very um, impressive. So, um, yeah. So Django, just as a bounty hunter in it for Mm. himself, didn't really fit that. And and we wouldn't Um, have had if if Django would have been a quote unquote true Mandalorian from the get go, George would have had to have created a Mandalorian culture that was based on this, you know, fierce warrior identity rather right. than rather than where he really wanted to go with the the Mandalorian culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it does make sense that if you take Concord Dawn, right, and then you kind of you because that was that was related to kind of the more extremist. Mm-hmm. Mandalorians, right? It's, and kind of the warrior <laughs> Mandalorians. It's funny because in 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 the comic, I, I was kind of glancing back through it before the before the show. He is taken in by Jaster, who is opposing Death Watch. Mm. 
but of course that's all legends. So, I mean, it's, it's, they, you know, right. so they sort of <laughs> kind of played loose with some of those, uh, those, those, uh, subcultures and stuff. But, uh, mm. yeah. So just kind of interesting that he, so like Din was of course brought up by, by death watch, but canonically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, now that considering all that we know about the Mandalorians in canon, as someone who grew up with the Legends content about Jango and Boba and the Mandalorians, how how do you see all of this development? Are you happy with the way everything has kind of been canonized or would you have wanted them to change some stuff? I I am actually very happy with with what they've done with it. Um, I think initially when I watched the Clone Wars episodes with the Mandalorians, I was sort of like, they're pacifists. What? <laughs> like, this isn't this isn't this doesn't fit my mental image of, of the Mandalorians. But then watching the story go forward, it it totally makes sense. I mean, they they were, you know, this kind of warriors. And of course, we hear about all the the wars and and I've, even Jango Fett, I think, in the chain code is mentioned as fighting in the Mandalorian Civil War. So like they are warriors, but. Mm-hmm. They've also, of course, grown and recognized that that war isn't isn't the answer to everything, you know, and that's where, OK, if you really want the the fierce fighting, then just pay attention to Death Watch and, and you can kind of get your fill there. But ultimately, I was it, it seemed like the best way to to merge the two that, OK, Jango Fett isn't a a true Mandalorian in the sense of like, you know, he was born and raised uh, in the in on Mandalore, but he is a Mandalorian because he was adopted, and and I think it felt to me it felt like a just an organic kind of way to explain and bring the two together. Mm-hmm. Unlike, and this is going to be controversial, but <laughs> not controversial at all. Unlike how Ray is a Skywalker. Oh, I see. Yes. So I I think I think with Django it 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 felt right. That mm-hmm. this was a way to explain how he is a Mandalorian, but you can also see that he is not a Mandalorian. So yeah. it's kind of a, a cool like dichotomy there. Right. Well, you know, um, as you were as we talk about this, um, we have to of course talk about Boba, right? Mm-hmm. And um I would say probably one of my favorite things about Django. Actually, I don't really care. Like I'm I appreciate the armor and, you know, it does look very cool and everything, but I'm really not that kind of geek myself. I'm not like a tech and, you know, that kind of person. Um, So my favorite thing about Boba is, or about Django is that he requested Boba, that he wanted to have a son. He wanted to have a relationship with a son. And um, obviously in his line of work you know you can't really just kind of settle down and have a family because it would be horrible for your family you'd have to hide them away somewhere to not be in in trouble of being kidnapped all the time Mm -hmm. right so um the fact that he had a son that he could just keep by his side you know that's what he thought at least all the time um was i think very admirable and kind of unexpected Mm -hmm. uh, considering everything else about him and even his demeanor, you know, on screen, um, the way that he was portrayed just seemed very kind of like 
I don't know if this was a George Lucas directing thing or a Tamara Morrison choice or whatever, but to me, it just kind of came off as like a little bit not really expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, He's kind of and gruff so, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I just thought that was an unexpected element to mm-hmm. his character. If we're going from episode one to two, yes. you know, right. And not going backwards and <laughs> knowing that Boba had to have a father. Right. So I wanted to ask you um, what your favorite quality is of Django. Yeah. So, yeah, I um, I mean, definitely. um. <sighs> Well, I, I want to focus on the on his desire to be a father because that is also okay. one of my one of my favorite uh aspects of him too. And and I do want to point out that uh we I think his desire to be a father fits when you have the big picture in context. So this is mm-hmm. this is definitely uh if you just watch episode two, it's sort of like okay, like what's what's going on here? <laughs> You know, and but then with developing stories and stuff, it it kind of paints a bigger picture. You know, right so with th- the Mandalorian and the foundling mm-hmm. thing and all that. Right, right. So the fact that he was a foundling and was brought in, you know, totally makes sense that maybe he would want to do the same thing for someone else. And yet, he sort of does it, of course, in a <laughs> immoral way. Um, you know, to mm-hmm. jump into a little bit of Catholic theology here, you know, cloning is is inherently immoral from a Catholic standpoint because it's a, it's um it's opposed to the dignity both of human procreation and the conjugal union. So, I mean, you know, we talk about the clones all the time and we love the clones and, you know, but we're in this fictional yeah. world where, where we can kind of have those conversations. Uh, but he didn't actually like go and adopt a foundling, but he had a clone, but it's the desire to be, to be a father. And, and I also wanted to point out a little bit of just human nature here is that that's also part of human nature. You know, um, that's how God created us. And uh, even uh, I pulled up uh, Genesis one twenty eight. So when God created uh, Adam and Eve and, you know, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And like that is just built into who we are as humans is that we want to, you know, continue to 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 expand the the human the human culture you know we want to have kids and grandkids and and you know that's just natural part of us so so the fact that he wants to be a father fits all of that and and it fits his his larger story as we know it and it happens to give us the the backstory to boba which i think yeah. was was maybe the starting point and then they built the story around him you know rather than starting with the big story and then say, oh yeah. And then he, he had Boba Fett as a, as a clone son. Right. You know, and just to kind of jump back to that cloning aspect too, I think a lot of people who may not be Catholic would say, well, obviously humanity would want to expand and have this desire to procreate just to, from an evolutionary standpoint, which by the way, Catholics can, you know, adhere to the idea of of evolution as a theory, mm-hmm. but maybe as an explanation for everything, no, right? So the idea that, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that we we need to continue our species and so we want to procreate. But the Catholic idea is it goes beyond that. It's no, like it's not just that we just want to have 
you know, um, kids and just continue the species. But it's also because of a desire in our heart to care for someone. It's like we were saying from from scripture, it says to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And this concept of loving some someone that is your child, you know, loving someone, caring right. for them, taking care of them and bringing them up in a loving home. That's a different concept, right? Um, than simply, you know, just, all right, let's just get the kids and just do this thing because we got to do it. Right. <laughs> and well, we got to keep and, going. And we got to survive. That's what separates us from animals. Animals don't have the same sense of, of love the, you know, and, and of course animals are going to procreate because that's again, part of their nature, but, but human nature, the way that God created us is, is elevated. And we have that element of love. We have that element of, we are co co-creators with God when we, when we um, engage in that and, and create a new life. And, and there's something, yeah, much more deeper and profound than just prop, uh, you know, uh, continuing the species. Yeah. So if we could kind of, we're jumping into maybe lessons learned here um, from Django. So to kind of, I guess, piggyback on this, this discussion here, the idea of cloning, I think we should just talk about a little bit more because Django is the clone template and really like, this is the opportunity to talk about it. Um, The idea of cloning coming from the dark side, I think was intentional on Lucas's part. And the reason being that cloning necessarily involves control and manipulation mm-hmm. of a human being and the human, just the human being. And, you know, later on, the empire would apparently just simply discard the, the clones, right, in yep. favor of this mass of soldiers from various planets. We've talked about their service to the empire would help guarantee Palpatine's control over the entire galaxy. So that was kind of his, you know, his uh, prerogative to just get rid of the clones and get all these people from all these other planets. But um, so I think just the idea of the, the clone army, even though Lucas finds the humanity in the clones themselves as individual persons, the, the way that they were manufactured is still, I think, intentionally separated from the clones themselves within mm-hmm. Star Wars. I think that's a, a very profound insight for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you have any other lessons learned uh, from Django Fett? Yeah. So so the, the big one that I focused on um, as I was contemplating this, and it goes back to his desire for a son. And and so I, I quoted it sort of, I said, a life lived for oneself is not fulfilling. And, and I think that that played a role in why he wanted a son, you know, perhaps, you know, he was a foundling and wanted, wanted to have, to have a son as sort of a fulfillment of his own being brought in by, by Jaster. But ultimately, I think if you look at Django Fett or anyone who's living just that, that kind of independent life, that self, uh, sufficient, um, per- selfish life, ultimately, you know, Django is going to, going to do the job for the highest payer. And, and really that's a life all about yourself. 
And and I think the fact that he even desires a son shows that he recognizes that there's more than just the job. There's more than the money. And ultimately, we find meaning in other people. We find meaning in God. And of course, we find meaning in loving as he loved us. But we have to have someone to love, you know, and, and so that's kind of, I think, maybe he didn't quite think about it this deeply, but, but I think that that, that <laughs> prompted him to want an unaltered clone for himself that he could essentially love and care for as a son. Yeah, I think it was like you're saying it was innate in him. Um, I think, you know, if you as I was preparing for this uh, discussion, I was looking up some of the more recent canon developments that I was not familiar with. And one was in the comic um, Age of the Republic Jango Fett, where he basically he he says he calls the clone army cannon fodder. He it's very clear that he is not proud of being the clone template. He's not proud of the clone army. Mm-hmm. They're just cannon fodder. But so this idea of like you're saying, right, he, the money and being a bounty hunter was not enough right, for him. And being being the clone template was not enough for him. It didn't satisfy him, didn't do anything for him, even though his his voice, his face Everybody would know his name like all throughout the galaxy. If you can imagine that, like just imagine your face and your voice like (laughs) all over the galaxy. Wow. Um, But it wasn't a big deal for him. And so this idea that, no, he his son was important to him. I mean, we can see that just in the minimal interactions that we see on screen, Mm -hmm. you know, between him and Boba that he wants to protect Boba, like when Obi-Wan comes and starts talking to him about business, you know, and and dark, shadowy things, and he's like, you know, Boba, go to your room type of thing, <laughs> no. you know, and then and then they're in trouble, and he yells for Boba to get into the ship as they're leaving. Just little small things, and you can tell, obviously, when he dies that Boba really cared about yeah. him, and then throughout yeah. Boba's story, which maybe we'll get into in a future episode (laughs) um you know there was a a strong bond there um and so yeah i totally agree with you i wrote that down too as a lesson learned is you know looking at maslow's hierarchy of needs if you're familiar with that the idea that just surviving basically getting the essentials that you need to survive is the bottom of -hmm. the pyramid and then as you go up you know you get more things that, you know, relationships, social status, things like that. But ultimately, you know, your fulfillment doesn't come from stuff and recognition even. Um, It comes from that, I think, self-fulfillment or that fulfillment that he received from the love that he had with with Boba. Mm -hmm. And I think we we see... I mean, we can see that played out just by looking at, you know, Hollywood today of some of some of those people who are super, you know, super popular and super famous um, that they're they're not they're not fully happy. They're they're miserable. The ones that aren't are the ones that have found, you know, the the family and, and the fulfillment of, of relationships more than just the, the fame and fortune. So, yeah. 
So maybe next time we are sad because we don't have the latest thing that mm-hmm. we think can fill that hole in our heart. We need to kind of look at the people yep. around us and say, ah, Django Fett. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, that, that, that brings up uh, another point. Uh, when I was in Guatemala for eight weeks, I mean, you, you often find, um, this isn't universally true, so I'm not, I don't want to stereotype, but you often find that the poorer someone is, the happier that they are. So like these, these people in Guatemala, I mean, they had nothing compared to what middle class is in America and yet they're the happiest people and they're, they're so friendly and sociable. And, and I mean, it's all for them, it's way more focused on family than unfortunately we see in our culture sometimes. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's almost helpful to look at their, their example to say, okay, yeah, material things fleeting happiness not real Mm. happiness yeah good stuff uh one other uh lesson learned this one's just a more kind of fun silly one that i put down was never assume that you're better than a jedi (laughs) because i think Django does this when he thinks he knocks obi-wan off the edge of of the the platform on kamino and he yeah. thinks that he uh, destroys him with his sonic charges in the asteroid belt. And then he thinks he can somehow protect himself from Mace Windu <laughs> and basically failed on all three fronts. So, Ooh. yeah. And that was a deadly mistake. Absolutely. <laughs> well. Um, with that, <laughs> um, <laughs> not to you, kill the I conversation. Wanna... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, the dad jokes abound. Quite fitting. <laughs> I am father fat, so. <laughs> yes. And we are talking about oh. a very famous father here. Um, so do you have or of course you do. What are your favorite moments with Django, whether in the films or otherwise? I'll open it up. Okay. So any other even legend stuff? Well, I would say that my... Okay, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention a few of them. And I've already kind of already mentioned them already. But the, the fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi on the, the platform on Kamino is definitely maybe my, my favorite moment with him. Just because it's an awesome fight scene. And he he does manage to to get the upper hand on Obi-Wan, even though he doesn't fully successfully push him off. He <laughs> manages to to subdue him enough to get away. So, uh, you know, also just I mean, cool use of of the the jetpack and the 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 rocket launcher. And I mean, just, you know, so especially as a 14 year old, like, yeah, he, he that's cool. Uh, the other big one, and I and I know that I am not the only one that loved this, but was in the asteroid belt with the sonic charges. And yes, <laughs> one of the coolest sounds in Star Wars. Well, and and yeah, total kind of side note here. We had just installed surround sound in our living room. <laughs> <laughs> and this was one of those scenes that even my dad would like join us and we would kind of play over and over because we could hear it. <laughs> fill the living room in the surround sound it was (laughs) it was cool so when the sonic charges came back in the mandalorian there were cheers heard across (laughs) across the galaxy 
Um, and then finally, I would say just in general, the, the experience of the, the Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game was 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 cool. I don't I don't have any specific memories of it. It's been too long since I've played it, but I just I remember thoroughly enjoying it and getting to know Django as a character and not just apparently just four minutes on film. <laughs> so those are I my favorite moments. Yeah. I wanted to say my favorite moment was when Disney renamed his ship Fire Spray from Slave One, but uh, there has been no official announcement, contrary to internet rumors. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ship has not been renamed. It has always rubbed me the wrong way that his ship is named Slave One, but um, no, there's only been hints from Lego sets that... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, they're, they're that, calling it just the fire spray but the fire spray yeah but the fire a fire spray is is a type of ship rather than a name although sometimes you sort of use the two interchangeably so Mm -hmm. and to be honest i don't actually know what the origins of the name slave one where that came from so i can't even like i i don't even know i mean uh, Django didn't yeah. have any slaves. I mean, so I, I don't know. Like, maybe there's some history with the ship. It would be problematic for you, Father. <laughs> yeah, add to my moral dilemma here. Yeah. Okay, well, with that being said, um, <laughs> do you have any other things you wanted to throw in about Django or, for that matter, Tamara Morrison, although we may, of course, be discussing him later on as time goes? No, other than I would just encourage people, if you want to know more about the character to, to, if you, if you have a PlayStation 4 to pick up that game or to, to pick up the, the comics, both, uh, Open Seasons, which is a Legends comic, but then Angela, you also mentioned there was one Age of the Republic, Django Fett, which I have not read yet, but I will definitely have to go check that one out. So, yeah, uh, he's a character that, that is worth I think he's worth exploring a little more into. <laughs> well, I certainly enjoyed our discussion. Yeah, me and too. Yeah, I pulled a lot away from this. So um, all of you who are listening, what are your thoughts and opinions on Django Fett? Please let us know. Um, and be sure to email us at starwars at sqpn.com or uh, find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. And you can leave a comment there. Let us know what you think. Or you can simply tweet us at SQPN. So before we reveal next week's topic, we would like to thank our patrons who truly make it possible for us to create Secrets of Star Wars, including Pat S, Al R, Julia S, Sean M, and Anthony S., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show. Please, please find us and tell your friends to subscribe also in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. And you can find previous episodes of Secret Secrets of Star Wars at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. Well, if you've ever found yourself thinking, hey, how can I tell people in a totally non-threatening or preachy way that there is hope out there in the world? 
and in the galaxy? Well, you can do so by getting an official Secrets of Star Wars t-shirt. And we do indeed have these t-shirts for the show that um, encapsulates our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. So those are, of course, available in various sizes and styles to fit everyone from a Porg to a Wookiee. So you can get yours at sqpn.com slash merch. And we will be back in two weeks where we will be taking a deeper look into Boba Fett himself. And there will be even more to talk about then. So until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, Father Fett, thank you for joining me in this Secrets of Star Wars. Always a pleasure to meet a Jedi. <laughs> I don't know about that high praise, but once again, I am Angela Cialana, and thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>